It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. Typically, we get slap happy on our second podcast, This Hits the Spot. If you have not listened yet, you can do that through signing up for our newsletter or supporting us on Patreon. However, I feel a little slap happy today, and I'm hoping that some of that energy will be passed on to you, the listener, and Jason as well, because behind the scenes, Jason expressed to me today that he's not in a a great headspace. And I'm not laughing at you, Jason. I'm laughing at your faces, which people could see if they tune into our YouTube channel for the visuals. And I thought that this was a good topic to explore, Jason, about, you know, the honesty. I think it's refreshing when people like yourself share what they're struggling with, because it's very relatable. I know I can relate to it. And maybe we can work through it in a bit. I actually have some things to share today that could help you, Jason, but at the very least, maybe they'll help someone listening to the show. I thought it was interesting when you were expressing to me how you're feeling today, because it's an example of wanting something, getting it, and then suddenly you have a whole new set of problems. That's my perspective. Does that feel right to you, Jason? I don't want to share anything beyond what you're comfortable sharing, so I will leave that up to you. And you can be vague. You can be detailed, whatever works. But that to me is part of this situation that sometimes stress follows us no matter what. You know, we think that we'll feel less stressed when we get X, Y, Z, and then we get that, and then we feel stressed, but maybe for a completely different reason. And that in itself can cause stress or anxiety or depression. It's like, wow, no matter what I do, I'm not feeling good or fulfilled. I'm curious if that's how you're feeling. It kind of reminds me of being in relationships. A lot of people think if I can just find the right partner, I'm going to be happy. But then you get into a relationship and maybe you don't feel lonely anymore, but now you have to deal with the relationship, which is generally hard and a lot of work. And it's just a different type of hard. And I think this is important because taking away this idea that if we just do this, if we just get that, we will feel better. And I think that's kind of a depressing reality that some people hit. And we've talked about this sprinkled in throughout the show, but clearly, Jason, it's still still a challenge. So I'd love to hear if you're willing to share where you're at mentally and, and the reflections you're having. And then I would love to, in real time, share something with you I probably would have shared behind the scenes that is worth trying out seeing if it makes a difference for you. Maybe we can make some progress. But but even if we don't, Jason, like I think it's also important to take the pressure off as we've talked about in recent episodes about like trying to heal, trying to improve, trying to solve a problem. It's more just experimenting, basically. So let's begin with how you're feeling. 
overwhelmed, stressed. I feel stress living in my body. I feel anxiety. I feel like I get eight to 10 hours of sleep and I still feel exhausted the next day, even though I'm sleeping, which is extremely troubling and worrying to me. And I feel like my capacity to handle stress has somehow been compromised over the course of the pandemic in the sense that I think I've just been battling so much of my own mental health issues and my recovery from my motorcycle accident, being at home 95 to 99% of the time, that things like being out in Los Angeles traffic again and dealing with the stress of sitting in the car for hours on end just to get across town, coupled with some new career responsibilities that on the one hand are bringing in enough money for me to survive. It's not, it's not a life-changing amount of money. Let's just put it that way, but it's enough money to survive in this city. You know, it's a good lesson in, we have no idea what life actually has waiting for us. It's like, we can have this idea of wanting things, a certain kind of career, a certain kind of work, a certain kind of relationship, as you said. But then when, when we're in the reality of it, at least what I've found in my life is the reality rarely matches what I think is actually going to be like. And my challenge right now is to move through my self-doubt, my anxiety, my stress, my worry about having so much on my plate, because the way I look at my life is I look, I look at my life like there are five buckets in my life, okay? And the five buckets are like, taking care of myself, my self-care, because if I don't do that, everything is going to go to shit. I know that, right? If I don't take care of me and take care of my basic needs, everything's going to get fucked one way or the other. The second one is my personal relationships, right? If I don't tend to nurturing and loving the people I care about and maintaining those connections, those can mutate and change and whatever else. So it's like self-care, personal relationships. The third bucket is, you know, this podcast that we're doing, recording the podcast, promoting the podcast, booking guests, pr you know, putting it out on social, all the things we do behind the scenes. The fourth bucket is like the more, you know, what I'm doing career-wise with, I can't get into too many details of what it is, but, you know, social media marketing, digital marketing, food, things like that. I've dipped my toe back in that world. The fifth bucket is my music, which I've been working on. I've been writing jingles. I've been doing my own stuff. I don't know how to maintain those five buckets. Where I'm at right now, Whitney, is I feel like I'm going to fail. I feel like I'm going to drop the ball, which is inevitable, because I don't think it's humanly possible to put full focus on all aspects of our lives in an equal amount. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible to have an amount of tension and love and focus that is equal in each bucket of our life. So, you know, maybe it's just about me giving myself permission to fuck up and be like, yeah, I might drop the ball on a text, calling someone back, not calling my mom for a few days. But I know this. If I don't take care of me, things are going to get fucked up real quick. I know that about my life. So no matter what, if I don't take care of me first, my mental health, my physical health, nourishing myself, going like everything else will suffer. The challenge I'm having is I just feel a crippling amount of fear of failure. I feel a crippling amount of will this stress and this anxiety and this overwhelm bring back my health issues? certain health issues that have been triggered by stress and anxiety in the past. So those are my two things. I, I'm worried I'm going to get out of balance. I'm worried I'm going to fail. And I'm worried that my stress and my anxiety and my overwork is going to bring back some health issues that I do not want to fucking deal with. Well, thank you for 
expressing that because it's, first of all, like just being able to share and have someone listen, I think can be helpful. And hopefully that is. And I think it's fascinating, Jason, because it makes me wonder how much of this is just burnt into us, this idea of failure, this mentality of like, we can never mess up. And it's disturbing. I feel that way too. When you, when you had initially expressed how you were feeling, I was reflecting on whether I could relate to it. And I can, I think in subtler ways, as we've spoken about, I tend not to have quite the extremes at which you express, Jason, but I sometimes wonder if I'm just really good at high functioning and coping so that it's more suppressed, right? So who knows? Maybe I feel it even more than I consciously realize, if that makes sense. But I recently, my relatable experience was this underlying feeling of always having more to do, never catching up. You know, I'm I'm coming up on a bunch of travel and we'll be doing a lot less work during that time. But A, it's rare that I ever take a full day off. And B, taking time off in general, there's that fear in my head that to your, kind of to your point, Jason, like if I don't keep up, I'm going to fall behind. I'm, I'm going to be fired, let go. I'm going to be rejected. And I've actually been practicing it. So I think we've talked on the show about rejection therapy, but in case we haven't, it is this concept that people experiment from time to time of, of purposely putting them in situations where they expect to be rejected so that they can train themselves to cope with it, to be okay with it, to not fear it. And I didn't purposefully do this, but what I've examined is my reactions to all these fears that you're expressing, Jason. And I think you have an opportunity here if if you're willing to lean into it, because I feel like a sense of anxiety. I have it right now in this moment, because there are a few projects that are taking me a while to get to. And my fear is similar. I guess it's a fear of failure, which is if I don't do this fast enough, then I'm going to miss out. If I don't do this fast enough, I'm going to disappoint people. And so I've started to observe it and recognize, first of all, we have such a bizarre focus on speed these days. Like if you don't reply to texts or emails or whatever fast enough, we have this idea on both ends that somebody is lazy, unprofessional, slow, like all these weird associations we have with time. And I've just gotten to this point, Jason, to give myself permission to fuck up, but it's quotations fuck up because who really cares how quickly you get stuff done? And I wonder, is it just old fragments of school? Really? I mean, when else in your life have you been punished for not doing something fast enough? Aside from like a late payment, a fee, for example, right? So those are, I guess, two times in life where in high school, like if you didn't, or school in general, college too, and younger, you know, if you didn't get turned in your grade, you would literally get a failing grade. So there you are, a literal fear of failure if you have it. Some people I don't think even care if they fail, but there's all these consequences throughout school. Hey, if you don't keep your grades up, you're going to get in trouble. 
your parents are going to be disappointed. Your teachers are going to be disappointed. Maybe you won't be able to continue to go to school. And then there's the big one. If your grades aren't at a certain level, you're not going to get into college. And if you don't get into the college that you want, then you're not going to have the career that you want. And if you don't have the career that you want, what's your life worth? So going back to all that, the anxiety that's been instilled in us to keep up. And as I've talked about recently in my exploration of, of neurodiversity with myself, I mean, the anxiety that I had on top of that was like, I have a lot of trouble functioning at that speed. But at those times in my life, Jason, I didn't know how to verbalize it and I didn't know how to set boundaries. And I think these are two important elements, right? There are certain times you can't set boundaries, like with the government in terms of a consequence, like not paying your taxes or the DMV, not renewing things, like all those things, your credit card, like you're going to pay interest if you don't pay your bills on time. Like there are those things and rent, of course, like you can be kicked out, like the consequences that are very tied to big punishments or survival. But even in those cases, Jason, especially now in 2021, you can express to somebody why you're going to be late. And sometimes they will not give you the consequences. There's, what's the term when you, hardships. If you use the word hardship with many companies, with the government, like if they are set up well, they will understand and they will give you a break. They will sometimes refund fees. They will lower your interest rates. They will give you more time. So I think communication is really important. And in school too, Jason, like I think back, there was this one time in college when I kind of had like a little breakdown because I had this assignment that I just could not complete. And I remember going to the teacher just feeling so defeated and so embarrassed, ashamed. I don't remember much of the details, but I recall this essence, this this energy within her of understanding. And, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And I think I was just so afraid of failing college, you know, I was afraid of the consequences of that, you know. I was afraid what that that my teacher would be disappointed in me and the shame in which going to class, having a teacher that didn't, you know, all of those lingering things, Jason, I wonder how much of that you experience and how much of it is real versus like conditioned and how much of it could be worked through by simply communicating. I don't know. You know, I think this is a conversation about what are other people's standards and expectations of us versus our own internal standards and expectations, right? It's, I don't want to do shitty work. I don't. I don't want to put shitty work out in the world. But I know that when I'm that overwhelmed and I have that many things on my plate and that many people expecting things from me, that when I'm in that state of being, I'm not going to do my best work. So if I'm honest about the internal struggle, it's that I want to be able to do my best work. Yet I know that if I'm exhausted, tired, overcompromised, being pulled in too many directions, I won't do my best work. I know it. And so maybe it's letting go of my own ideas of what I think the standard of my work should be and just say, you know, when I woke up this morning, I had like heart palpitations. I had my, I was sweating. My heart was racing. I'm like, oh fuck, this is how we're going to start the day really. And, you know, I just thought, you know, what's the line between like, and I'm saying this cause I'm, I'm still asking myself, I don't know between total nihilism and like caring about my work, 
but having a fuck it attitude, right? Because there's levels to fuck it. Let's just talk about the phrase fuck it, which can be a really powerful mantra, I think, in context and depending on the intention in which it's used. Because fuck it could take it to a whole, like, the highest level of fuck it, it to me is nihilism. Who cares? We're all going to die. Who gives a shit? Nothing matters because like, everything is going to be forgotten. We're going to be dead. And everyone we know is, I mean, total nihilism, right? But I think that there's a version of fuck it that's like, you know what? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm stressed. People want things from me. I've agreed to these certain relationships and career and business and life. And I just, I'm just going to show up the best I can. And if it's not good enough and people don't like it, fuck it. Fuck it. Like to me, that that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to tell people I'm stressed. I'm going to tell people I'm tired. I'm sick of hiding my mental health issues. And if I produce things and people are like, yeah, it wasn't that good. I'm like, well, okay, then I did my fucking best. So to me, the fuck it mantra is more like, I just need to like do my best, even though I know I'm not in my best state of being. Let me, it's, it's almost like that. How can I show up and keep creating and keep contributing, even though I know I am not at my optimal? Because I know I'm not right now, Whitney. I'm exhausted. You know, I feel overwhelmed by everything that's on my plate, but I still need to show up for life. You know, I, as much as there's a part of me that just wants to like crawl in a corner and sleep for four weeks, like I can't do that. That's not an option in my life. I've agreed to to show up. I've agreed to create. I've agreed to do things. And maybe that's it. Maybe it's like, this is where I'm at in my state of being, my mental health. And this is the best I can do right now. And people either dig it or they don't. I don't know. I'm still trying to find the balance because I don't want to default to nihilism where I destroy the good things in my life. I don't want that. But I do feel like other people's expectations and other people's work ethics and how everything is just like chaotic and disorganized and overwhelming. And and it's hard for me. One of the most challenging things I'm experiencing right now is, how do I even say this? I'm sorry. My brain is having trouble expressing this. Like, okay, in basketball, because that's an analogy I use sometimes, there are certain players out there. Like, there's this guy who I really like. His name is Luka Doncic. He plays for the Dallas Mavericks. He's, I think he's from Slovenia. And they always say, like, he plays at his own pace. Like, you'll see guys around him on the basketball court, like, frenetic and crazy. And, like, and you see him, like, taking his time, playing his pace. And he's a phenomenal player. So my thing that I'm thinking about as that as a paradigm is like, how can I play at my own pace when everyone around me is fucking frenetic and acting like cuckoo birds and like, we need this, we need this, like, cool, I'm going to play at my own motherfucking pace and you're either going to deal with it or you're not. But that's where I think I'm at right now, Whitney, is I'm trying to figure out how to play at my own pace and not be subject to other people's reactions or approval or disappointment. It's not, this is not easy. I'm struggling like hell with this right now, but I really am trying to figure out like how to find balance and and play the game that I want to, the way that I want to play it, not the way other people expect me to play it. Has anybody directly asked you to do things differently in this current position you have, Jason? No, but it's picking up on people's energy, right? And the other challenge is I'm a very empathic person, right? So when I'm in a group of people and there's sort of this like, yeah, I got to get it in deadlines and everything's crazy. And, and, you know, I kind of stepped into a situation that's a little bit crazy, which I did not expect. And I'm like, okay, people are acting a bit manic. 
there's these deadlines, very short deadlines, and I'm trying to produce and I'm stressed as fuck because I feel other people's stress around it. So how can I not feel stressed when I'm easily picking up on other people's stress and easily picking up on their anxiety and kind of the frenetic chaos of getting things done in a certain time because there are deadlines to launch certain things. How do I play the game at my own pace? I don't know. This is tough, right? Because when you're on a team and things are expected of you and there's deadlines in that container of work, how do I play at my own pace and slow it down? and not allow the anxiety and stress and chaos to creep in that I feel from other people. That's the point I want to make. No one said anything, but I feel that energy from other people. And it's difficult for me not to take it on. Well, what about this? Who says you have to match their energy? You're a new team member. You're somebody that they clearly appreciate, respect enough to to bring you onto their team. Why can't you say, hey, guys, like, this doesn't work for me and this doesn't feel good and, you know, formulate it in a perhaps a different way. I mean, although you, you could technically be that direct and say, I struggle with my mental health, especially anxiety and the current way of doing things feels like it's bringing up a lot of anxiety for me. Would you be okay if I did things differently? Would you be okay if we tried it a different way? I have a feeling, Jason, that they would be open to that. And I actually think it'd be incredibly refreshing for everybody. Because one thing that I've observed a lot, and I think I've mentioned this in some recent episodes, as I watch TikToks, there's so much conversation right now in summer 2021 about people quitting jobs and basically creating boundaries, say, no, actually, I don't want to go back into the office. I'm only going to work from home. And if the boss says, well, you have to come in, then the person quits. They stated a boundary. If the boss doesn't like it, they quit. People in the service industry, this is happening more and more frequently. They're not getting paid enough. They're not being treated well. They quit. And the businesses actually have to shut down for the day as a result of this. So as I've said before, I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be a shift. But even if the companies don't take the initiative to shift, Jason, I don't think they're going to have a choice at a certain point because they need employees to function. And I think a lot of employees end up in this place of what's the opposite of dominance, submission, where they feel like they have to submit, they have to adapt. And I don't know if that's as true as we think it is. I think it's just been programmed into us. And the more that I examine this, the more I recognize like right now, there's an also this commonality of people standing up for themselves and saying the old way of working does not work for me. And the confidence to say that, Jason, can make a massive ripple effect, but it also can be done in a way that improves the business because disorganization does not help a business. It's likely that the person at the top has no idea what they're doing, or there's too many people at the top and they're not, I mean, like it's messy. And I'm sure deep down, Jason, they don't want it to be. Why would anyone want that chaotic energy? I mean, I shouldn't say that. Some people, I think, thrive in chaotic energy. That's fine. But in general, 
there's a, a dot desire for it and it takes time. But I say for you, Jason, that it could be really b- beneficial and very possible for you to express how you're feeling. And the earlier you do it, I think actually is is ideal because sometimes it's more shocking to try to change later on because somebody is wondering why you didn't say something earlier. It's kind of, again, like a relationship. If you state your boundaries for a relationship at the beginning, it's often easier because that person's more in this place of wanting to please you and create harmony versus energetically later on in a relationship, whether it's romantic or professional. It's like people feel more resistance to change because they think they can keep you around longer. So my question to you is, Jason, why, why don't you speak up about this? I don't because I don't know what I want to say yet, A. And B, it's almost like, you know, to your point, if people are like, well, how would you want us to change it? I don't have an answer to that question yet. So it feels to me a bit presumptive to bring like, and, and I don't just mean this in career. I mean this in any relationship that if I have a boundary a suggestion to change or evolve, a behavioral shift that I want to suggest. And again, this can be romantic, friendship, business partnership, whatever it is. I feel for me that if I don't have a solution or a proposal or a suggestion to pivot or alter or change, it's not as effective, right? Hey, I don't really like the way we're doing X in this relationship, and then the other person's like, okay, well, what would you suggest? I actually don't have any suggestions. Okay, so you're just bringing this to like, you know, criticize what is happening and you don't really have a suggestion to pivot or change. So I'm, I am reticent in any situation of any context of relationship that if I don't have a response to, okay, well, how would you want to shift things? How would you want to change? What do you suggest? If I don't have an answer, I just feel like an asshole because I'm just like, I don't like this. Okay, Jason, what don't you like? I don't like this, 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 and this. Okay, why don't you like it? Well, because it makes me feel like this, and this is what I observe. Cool. Well, what would you like to change? I don't know. Like it, To me, the conversation just stops there. So until I have a, a more solidified, concrete thing to suggest that's very well thought out, to me, the conversation is just going to hit a brick wall at a certain point. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I would encourage you to look at it from a different viewpoint, because I think that you're still looking at it from this lens of people taking it the wrong way. And and the truth is you have no idea how they're going to take it. And also it's, it's often about your delivery. It's your tone of voice. I recently finished listening to the audiobook Think Again, and there was a section that really stood out for me. I, I believe Adam Grant, the author, has done a lot of work outside of writing books um, from listening to him. I, I believe I interpreted correctly that he was hired to go help Microsoft because what they would do, or maybe they still do with their employees is give them opportunities to share their feedback and criticisms. And as a company, the higher ups, including Bill and Melinda Gates would purposefully put themselves in places to be criticized so that they could really hear the feedback from their employees. And they were, I think, calling it psychological safety. I have to go check that, make sure I'm using the right term. But this was the idea that they wanted their culture to reflect authenticity, transparency, honesty, so that they could be better. And the other thing that Adam Grant said is that 
they were very willing to experiment and mess up. And this is what I have also heard from Jeff Bezos, whether or not you like him as a person and, you know, all of the flaws that he may have. One big thing I've heard about him is that at Amazon, it was all about speed, which might not be the most positive thing most of the time, but what the advantage of speed is that it's better to get things done imperfectly, but done, you know, done is better than perfect, right? And so a lot of the times they would rush projects out and they would only be 30% quote perfect, 30% right, 30% finished, but they would learn through the feedback of people after they put them out. And I think from what I've studied around management, Jason, that there's two elements that make a really good company. It's one, the manager has to be willing to hear this feedback from their employees. If your manager at this company is not willing, it's not going to be a good fit long-term. You'll never feel emotionally safe enough there. But I have a feeling that the manager might not be trained well enough to even encourage feedback as some companies do. So you might be giving them help, Jason, by bringing this up because you're giving them a teaching moment. They can become a stronger manager with your feedback, especially as a brand new employee or or team member. But the other element of you being afraid of not having the right words, is it's similar to what a lot of people said, especially, you know, white people in 2020, they, they didn't feel confident about being anti-racist because they were afraid of getting it wrong. And the most common feedback that I read was, you just have to say something. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, because if you keep waiting around, it's not going to improve. It's just actually going to get worse. And I think that's true of your situation, Jason. You can start off by saying, I don't have the right words. I don't really know how to express this. Like, I'm not trying to complain. I'm letting you know where I'm at. Can we figure this out together? And I think the same thing is true in relationships. It's not like you have a, a guidebook to being the perfect partner romantically or professionally. Everybody's messy and figuring out. I bet you the manager, again, like they probably feel insecure too. But you don't give them the opportunity to help you if you don't express what you need. And all of this is easier said than done, Jason. I'm not expecting this to be easy. I pulled up this book that I read, I think, a few years ago called The Assertiveness Workbook. And one of the highlights I had here is that we're trained from childhood to believe that our role is to accept and live up to the standards that other people impose, being visible, being flawed, holding opinions, or having wishes of our own all leave us open to attack. And I would imagine, Jason, a lot of your fears right now are based in that conditioning from childhood. So it's important to recognize that it's old conditioning, but maybe that doesn't match up with who you are today, Jason. And what if you use this as a learning experience? Like, hey, let's let's just see what happens when I express myself. And I imagine that any good company right now is not going to fire you because you let them know that you're uncomfortable with their way of doing things. I imagine that they might be a little taken aback, perhaps even defensive at first. But if they're a good company, they're going to work through all that discomfort so that they can keep you around because ultimately you're a huge asset to them. 
And they actually kind of need you more than you need them because you can go off and find another job, but they can't go off and find another Jason Robel. I feel that. I think too, it's having my voice and my presence and my creative input in a way that somehow aligns with the brand image and the messaging of what has come before, right? And so one of the challenges too, I think as a creative, as an artist that I have is when I work with clients and when I've worked for companies and businesses in the past, figuring out how to focus my creative impulses and my creative drive, but in a container in a way that somehow makes sense for the context of the business. Does that make sense? It's like, there are things... <laughs> I'm laughing because I've had some creative ideas that I'm like, I can't bring this to the table because it's way too out there and way too bizarre and way too crazy. And you might go, why not? But no, I mean, you as a person, Whitney, knows my mind very well. I have some crazy ass ideas sometimes that I'm like, yeah, this isn't appropriate. So the thing that I'm facing too is like, how to corral or focus the creative impulses and ideas that I have in a way that's effective and appropriate for what I'm doing, right? Because if it's just me, they're sort of like this, eh, who cares? We're just going to kind of do whatever we want to do. And I mean, to a degree, there's cancel culture. I don't know. I feel like I'm scattered with this response. I'm just feeling, I'm feeling challenged because I, I don't know that I can trust my creative impulses right now. I don't, I don't think that I fully trust them. I don't think that I fully trust my creativity. I don't know that I fully trust that I'm going to be able to deliver something that's effective and appropriate and make, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that like is trying to excavate confidence from within myself that I don't know is there. You know, I, I feel like in many ways coming out of whatever this who the fuck knows, or, you know, however long this pandemic's going to last. But coming out of this whole global situation, I feel such a lack of confidence. And I think more than anything that we're talking about, that is the biggest issue, is I feel a crippling lack of confidence right now. I don't know what's good. I don't know what's bad. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I keep doing things. I don't know if they're good or not. I feel more more so than anything the thing that is coloring my difficulty and that is probably adding to the stress and anxiety is I don't feel confident. It's hard for me to even admit that, but I don't feel confidence in my abilities right now. Are you feeling a bit of imposter syndrome? Yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. Like other people see this potential in me, you know, which I've heard, oh, you're so great. You're so talented. There's so much this is what, and I'm like, like, I need to find a way to believe in myself because it's like, it's becoming problematic. My lack of confidence is becoming problematic. And I don't really know how to get it back. I don't know. I don't know how to feel confident again. Like, I don't know where to go with that. Well, what if that's exactly what this position is for? It's for you to reveal what you're struggling with right now. What if it's designed in a way? I mean, you could look at this as an experiment and just continuously ask yourself, well, what's the worst that could happen? So that's a question for you, Jason. Like, what's the worst that could happen right now? I fail. I fuck up. I disappoint people. I lose money. I lose social status. People don't regard me the same anymore. I don't have income. All that. It's heavy. It feels heavy to think about. So 
what would happen in those cases if that if it did happen? Like, what's the next level beyond that? What do you mean? Like, what would I do after that? When you say the next level beyond that, I, what do you we'll mean? We'll take one of those examples that you just gave. Let's say you lost your income because they fired you. Then what? Well, I'd have to find more money, wouldn't I? <laughs> or be homeless. Didn't you just do that by getting this position? Yeah. So yeah. in a way, did you just prove to yourself that you're capable of pulling yourself out from a tougher financial situation and finding it? Yeah. You have a point. So you could do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what about this fear of disappointment? What's the worst that'll happen there? People just will have invested this perspective on who they think I am and I'm not that person. You know, so it's like, oh, we thought you were like this creative genius with digital marketing and social media and creativity, and you're kind of not. So it's like this fear of of not just disappointing people, but also like having that be reflective of my equity in a certain industry. Like, yeah, we thought he was great, but he actually sucks. Like it's not, it's not just the internal disappointment. It's like, what would people say to their colleagues? And would that damage my reputation? You know, that's really what it's about. Let's say that a few people talked poorly about you. Then what? I guess that's their opinion. Doesn't mean it's true. Because you've been through that before too. Yeah, you have people have. talking poorly about your TV show, your book. Sure, you know you've you've gone through tough times with one-on-one clients. Yeah, somehow I'm still living and breathing and shitting and eating. Well, what what did you do? How did you respond when those things happened? Depends on the severity. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out as a sensitive human being, again, who's very empathic, not to take on other people's opinions or perspectives or online comments or reviews as gospel. Like it's their opinion. It doesn't mean it is the truth with a capital T. And depending on my level of sensitivity or who says it or the context, sometimes I can, you know, have those things roll off my back like water rolls off a duck. And other times they hit me a lot harder. I mean, it it really is a case-by-case basis, you know. Do I ruminate on some of those perspectives and comments? Not often. Again, it depends on the level of impact that it's had in my life. You know, there are some things professionally and personally that still kind of haunt me, to be quite honest. And most things don't, though. Most to your point, Whitney, most things don't. There's a few things that still like, I don't know, when I'm feeling weak and feeling low and feeling depressed, they kind of come back to haunt me. But most most of those situations, I don't even ever think about. Looking through some of my notes from the assertiveness workbook, there's a number of really great points in this. So we'll be sure to link to this in the show notes. And Jason, one thing that stood out for me is that when we react in a big emotional way to a relatively small event, it's a reaction to what that means to us, not about that person's action. So as you know, but it's just worth coming back around to Jason, you know, just because somebody is disappointed in you, that's not really about them. Your, your reaction is about you and what that means to you. So what does it mean to disappoint someone? I imagine that you, like many people, have major fears around disappointment. It could be old trauma. It could be, again, the conditioning of just you have to please people. 
have to satisfy them. And we've talked about people pleasing a lot on the show and it sounds a bit like that's what you're experiencing. So you must have big emphasis in your life about approval. Well, here's the rub, right? Is we've talked about this in many, many previous episodes, but since we are social creatures, inextricably linked, humanity, I believe, is inextricably linked together, you know, whether you want to call that the butterfly effect or, or what have you, but I don't know that it's possible to operate in the world in the context we have, the way capitalism and money and survival works, to fully unravel ourselves or disassociate ourselves from pleasing a person. Because let's just be honest, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee or whatever your context is, there is some degree of fulfilling an expectation or pleasing another person to get rewarded. There is, right? I mean, why does somebody pay you to do anything? Because they have an expectation of your skills, your talents, and your abilities that you're going to deliver in a certain way on those promises. And if you don't, you don't get paid. I mean, there's a level here of like, I think, toxic people pleasing, but I think on a foundational level as a social contract between human beings doing business and creating things in the world, expectation and pleasing a person on a certain level, we can't really get around that. No matter the business, I mean, really, I, d think about it, right? It's like you have, you have people that you're working for, clients, jobs, projects. If you don't deliver... <laughs> What happens? Like, it's okay. We hired you to do this thing or we took you on. We hired you as our coach and you didn't really do the things you said you were going to do, but that's okay. It's not really how the world works. Certainly. But again, there's a way to feel satisfied in these situations and it's about finding a match. And I don't think you even know if something's a match until you dig deeper. Otherwise, you're just sitting there feeling unhappy, resentful, anxious, and they have no idea. But we place all these assumptions. Another question I have for you, and again, this is coming out of some of the sections in the assertiveness workbook. A distorted belief can cause you to bring about the precise consequences you fear. These experiences can confirm or strengthen your original belief. So you can say, see, I was right. So is it possible, Jason, that right now you're caught up in this cycle of putting yourself in a position where you can prove to yourself that you disappoint others? Like that can be a form of self-sabotage. And sometimes that causes us to not do things differently or to think differently because we want that confirmation bias. Oh, I'm never going to do a good job. I guess I suck. I guess I'm always going to disappoint people. See, I was right about it. But right now you have an opportunity, Jason, to do things differently, which in the long run helps you think differently. So on any level, do you think right now that you're in the situation, observing it from the lens to confirm your greatest fears? That's possible. It's certainly possible. Like my lack of confidence in myself could be like manifesting in the sense of like, see, that's why you don't have confidence because you don't do good work and you people expect things from you and you don't deliver. And maybe you think your abilities to deliver on those things are greater than they actually are, aka imposter syndrome. Maybe there is. Maybe there's a part of me that wants something to become a self-fulfilling prophecy that's like, yep, you're a fuck up and you're worthless. See, you were right. You're not good at anything. You know, I had a super on a note that 
it seems to me to be tangentially related. I had lunch a couple days ago with, she's my friend and former assistant. She's an acquaintance of yours. And I had lunch with Elle is her name. And her, give or take a year prior to my motorcycle accident, her brother died in a motorcycle accident. He died. And then I had mine and we were talking about it. It was a really, really beautiful, raw, raw conversation, but beautiful. And I said to her, I, I had never made a connection, Whitney. And the connection was this. I think there was a part of me that over the years on a subconscious level was riding motorcycles because I didn't give a shit about whether I died or not. It was like, if I get hit and die on a motorcycle, fuck it. The world didn't need me anyway. Like, this is a really hard thing for me to admit. And I didn't even understand till I was talking with her about her brother's death. And it was like, wow, you know, I think, I think there's a part of me that honestly was like, yeah, so what if I die? Not like actively doing reckless things on the motorcycle, not to that extent, no, but sort of this idea of if I'm on a motorcycle and I end up dying or getting horrifically maimed, whatever, it'll confirm my sense of worthlessness to myself. Who cares? I don't care if I die. Fuck it. And in a way, it's tangentially related to this in the sense of like, yeah, see, you are worthless. You didn't deliver the way people expected you to. See, you did. <laughs> not that I'd be able to, who knows, reflect, but I see you did die on a motorcycle. Your life didn't matter. It sounds, I don't know if the connection is quite making sense, but for some reason, that realization the other day during that conversation with Elle was like, wow, I didn't even realize that was hanging out in my subconscious. A sense of nihilism and worthlessness around myself was being reflected in this activity, well knowing that riding a motorcycle in Los Angeles, statistically, in this city, not so good for your health. You know, you ride a motorcycle in a dense urban environment, chances are pretty high you're going to get in an accident at some point. I guess I'm saying, Whitney, that I want to look at it more, but what you said about this idea of confirmation bias may be true in this situation. Let me prove to everyone how much I suck because I think I suck. Let me show all of you how much I suck so I can prove that I'm correct about my suckiness. Yeah, I think a lot of us do that without even recognizing it. A lot of us do this in our relationships. It's such a common thing. But I think career-wise, especially when there's patterns of never fulfilling something, never getting what you want, always feeling blank, I wonder if we seek out things that confirm what we fear the most. And it's a cycle worth trying to get out of. Something's got to change, you know, and that can change through your perspective, that can change through therapy, that can change through consciously making an effort to do something differently to try. And I, I think right now, Jason, this rejection therapy could be worth experimenting with. It's it's putting yourself in situations where you might fuck up. It's allowing yourself to make mistakes and learning to feel okay about it. And then you get more confidence through that process. I think not enough people talk about this Recently, during the U.S. Olympic trials, I saw a clip of Simone Biles. Is that how you pronounce her last name? And it's Simone, right? Pronouncing it, hopefully pronouncing it right. You know, she's like the top of her game. 
literally. And she looks like someone that can do no wrong. She's naturally gifted. But first of all, I'm sure she has worked likely her entire life from the time that she was able to do gymnastics to get to the point where she's at. But second of all, I saw a clip of her falling off the balance beam. And I think it was from this one. I didn't look far enough into it, but I'm fairly certain it was a current clip. And people in the comments were saying, wow, you know, A, I think it's important to see really successful people fail because it shows that they're human, but B, have a lot of compassion for her and how hard that must have been. And even though she's this huge, famous Olympian, she messes up too. Does that mean that she's a complete failure? Absolutely not. And you know this about basketball too, Jason. Who is the basketball player who was on like Lewis Howe's podcast or something? He was talking about how hard he works and he was sharing all... You know who I'm talking about. It was Kobe. Yeah. It was Kobe. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting sports as a metaphor for life because, you know, in basketball, if you make 50% of your shots, that's phenomenal. If you make 40% of your three-pointers, that's world-class, right? You think about something like baseball, which I always say, you know, sort of the magical number in that sport is you're batting 400, which means you're connecting on four out of every 10 pitches that are launched at you. Think about that, right? Four out of 10. And you are a world-class batter in baseball. Yet, in life, we have sometimes this expectation that every shot we take has to be a game winner. Every single time we go to the proverbial at-bat in life, we've got to hit a fucking home run. No one does that. Like, I think about this too, like with some of the musicians and the actors that I love, the, the authors, right? You know, someone will come out and they'll write a life-changing book or, so, or an album or a song that changes my life, literally, right? I can think about these pieces of art that have changed my life. And then maybe the next record will come out or the next book. And it's really not, you know, it doesn't hit. It, it's like, wow, interesting. No one has a hit record every single fucking time. No one has a New York Times bestseller every single fucking, no one does. It's just... You know what I'm saying? So I'm saying this to walk my through myself through like, dude, not every single thing we do as humans is going to be great or life changing. There's sometimes we're going to put out mediocre shit. <laughs> it's just on the rare occasion, maybe we put out a piece of art that every single aspect converges in this magical way that that is this transcendent thing. I mean, we see that right with I mean, Again, pick an art form and you're like, my God, this thing changed my life and it changed the lives of millions of people because it got them to think about life differently. But not every single piece of art or music or film or social media we create can have that. It's not, I don't think it's cosmically possible to do that. We'd be avatars. We'd be gods if we could do that, right? But we're not. So to your point, even the people that are at the top of their game, quote, fuck up sometimes, miss a shot. Don't hit the game winner. Say something maybe in the media that they regretted, made a personal decision that was in bad taste. Like, I'm saying this because it's easy for me to say that about other people, but to let myself off the hook is very challenging. (laughs) It is, and that's that's only something that you can experience through practice, Jason. I think right now, as I mentioned earlier, you have a great opportunity to practice it. 
you have an opportunity to set boundaries, to be assertive, to practice all of these uncomfortable feelings that you didn't have this opportunity to experiment with before you got this position. I didn't finish sharing something earlier, which was that I've been reflecting on how long it takes me to do certain things and my fear around not doing something fast enough and missing out. And I thought, you know what? It's okay if I miss out. There's a certain pace that I'm at right now. There's a certain pace that feels good to me or slightly out of my comfort zone, which is a sweet spot. And I could go faster to your point earlier. Do I perceive this to be my best? No. But A, maybe it's my best right now. B, maybe we need to tweak what we view as our best because some people view their best as when they're super productive and going nonstop, but that might mean sacrificing their sleep, their family and romantic relationships, their health. There's a lot of things that come at a compromise. And you also used the word balance earlier, Jason. And I recognize like, even though I feel anxious right now about not doing things as quickly as I believe I quote should be as quickly as I want to from like an older desire want, not a current desire. I feel anxious right now, but I think that anxiety is just that old conditioning. It's not real. There's not a real reason to feel stressed and anxious. This is something that also comes up in the assertiveness workbook. It's such a great resource for this topic. And it talks a lot about how our stress response is rarely based in that deep need to survive. It's probably connected somewhere, but we just have all this old ways of feeling and thinking. And until we're very conscious about it, we're just letting that rule us, but that doesn't actually currently serve us. And I have to recognize, as I said to you earlier, Jason, like if somebody is upset with me because I didn't move fast enough, A, I would like them to communicate that with me. And some people do. Some people, I actually happened earlier today. I've been kind of delaying, procrastinating a project and they emailed me and said, hey, can you send it to me? And I was like, oh shit, (laughs) I should get this done. And I, I went and I put the final touches on it and I sent it off and it wasn't perfect. I told them it wasn't perfect. I said, hey, is it okay if I continue working on it a little bit longer? If so, what's the deadline? And we worked it out and everything was fine. You know, there are other people who maybe they need me to do something done faster because they have a deadline on their own. And if I can't do it, well, then maybe it's just not going to happen. And that's all right, because I know another opportunity will come along. But a lot of the times when someone has a deadline, that's just a made up thing that's not really in existence. And it's totally fine if you miss the deadline. And to your point earlier, Jason, like there's a certain amount of structure that we need, like our society probably wouldn't function that well without organization and you know your experiences firsthand what it's like to be disorganized but what if we just structure it differently what if the organization looks differently what if we build in a slower pace and i think this would be a great thing for you and something i encourage everyone to do jason it's like what if you set your own pace and you adjust that position to it and see what happens Worst case scenario, you get fired. But my hunch is that they might just say, hey, Jason, we've noticed that you didn't get this done by this date. And you can say, hey, you know what? 
I wasn't able to, however you want to express it. I need to move at a certain pace due to my mental health and my physical health. Like, you know, is that you can even ask in advance, is this okay with you if I operate this way? And they might say no. And then you have to determine, is it okay? Like, do you still want to work with them if their answer is no? That's also part of being assertive. It's recognized you can't control how they're going to react, but you're not going to even know how they react unless you express it. And I think so many people in jobs just submit and never really know if things could be better because they weren't assertive. So what if, Jason, you could continue on this job, get paid the way that you want to get paid, perhaps get their approval, and also work at a pace that works well for you? I think that's possible. In fact, I know it's possible. I think it's likely. And if you think about it, if you shift your thinking from, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail, I'm never going to be good enough, to actually, what if I am good enough and they just haven't told me that because they don't have... They just haven't given me feedback. They might think you're great. It could be completely in your head how they're feeling, Jason. Yeah. So what if they love you? What if you, what if they think you're going above and beyond? What if they are just head over heels? And what if you could find a fantastic balance and get paid the way that you want? Like, what if you had that dream scenario? Hmm. Well, I suppose the only way to do that is to communicate and set a boundary and suggest new ways of doing things. I, I, it's going to be a process, you know, and I think it's also my nervous system is adjusting. I don't want to label it. I was going to say poorly. It feels like it's adjusting poorly to another bucket in my life. You know, when there's another major bucket, as I alluded to early in the episode, when there's another big bucket introduced in my life, it's like, oh my God. Okay. There's another thing that requires a lot of my attention. In addition to the other things that required my attention. Okay. How am I going to do this and not fry myself? Because the last thing that I want to have happen right now is to burn myself out or compromise my health, which will make tending to everything worse and more challenging. So again, it goes back to if the number one bucket in my life is taking care of myself, which it is, because if I don't do that, it affects everything else. Then how do I be mindful of making sure and ensuring that I can care for myself and communicate to people in my life? hey, I need to take a time out and like go care for myself right now and I'll get back to it when I can. You know, like like if it gets to that point, again, whether that's any aspect of these buckets of my life, having the courage and the love for myself to state those things when they need to be stated, right? Because the last thing I'm going to do, especially coming out of, you know, 15 months of a global pandemic is burn myself out. There's no fucking way I will allow myself to get burnt out, right? I can't do it. I can't go back to that place. And moreover, you know, Whitney, like I don't ever want to feel burnt out again, ever. I fucking hate that feeling. It's a horrible place to be physically and mentally horrible. And, you know, I think one of the things that I want to work on as, as sort of like a cause is like, can we delete? And again, this might sound privileged as fuck. I understand. There are people who are living in poverty, who have no choice but to grind themselves into the ground to provide for themselves and their family. So I realize I'm coming from a massively privileged position for a variety of reasons. I think there are some people that necessarily can't mitigate burnout for certain socioeconomic or ethnic factors or, or 
I mean, there's a whole nother episode I wanted to do about uh, the farm workers in this country and what they go through to put food on the table for Americans that they can't even afford to buy the food that they pick in the fields for us, right? So I say this because I realize that I am not a farmhand working 80 hours a week in the sweltering sun to provide for my kids, okay? I get that. But burnout's a motherfucker, and I don't ever want to go through it again because I've been there, and in some cases with certain health things, it, it's taken me years to rebound from them. It's taken me years. I know I know you know what I'm talking about, but I do not want to put myself in a position where it's going to take me years to rebound from the physical and mental symptoms of burnout. So to me, I think if there's any situation, Whitney, where it's my health and sanity versus like maintaining a status quo, I will always choose my health and sanity. Like that's clear to me now after after years, that has to be number one. I think this is part of the root of why you're feeling the way you are. You're afraid of this as well. You're afraid of burning out again. And that's a very valid fear. 100% that's part of it. I think that, again, you can use it as an opportunity. And maybe, Jason, it's an opportunity to set the bar lower. Maybe you can express the manager, hey, this is what I'm able to do. Like maybe that's what, like do your minimum viable work and then perhaps you will go above it. Now is the time for you to set that standard for your work versus a lot of people, just like in relationships, jump in, guns blazing, the best version of themselves. And then when people start to see the other sides of you, they think, wow, what happened to that best version? I mean, that I think is one of our biggest challenges is that we often present us at our optimal everything when we start any sort of relationship, personally or professionally, and then we are terrified of somebody seeing us at our worst. When the truth is, if they care enough about us, they're going to be completely accepting of us at our worst. But maybe what if you switched it around, Jason, and... <laughs> you did your worst performance as you start off with the job. And then they're like, wow, like, look at him improve. And that could work out in your favor because you could get a bonus when they see you at your best versus the other way around. If you start at your best and then you underperform based on what's relative to you, then you're the only option is to give you consequences. It's funny, but in all seriousness, I think it actually takes a lot of weight off your shoulders if you set a standard that is really low because you can only go up from there. You can always come down to that standard that is at your, quote, worst. And it might not be perfectly easy to implement. You know, it can be really counterintuitive. But I'm just saying, like, It's kind of like teaching people how to treat you through text messages and emails if you become known as the friend who takes a week to respond. That person might be annoyed at you because you always take a week to respond, but at least you're consistent. Now that they expect that of you, you're always the friend that's late. So they expect you to be late. And that's just the where you're at. Like they might be disappointed and frustrated, but they still care enough to have you in their life. And you can't control whether or not someone's disappointed or frustrated. And that might seem really scary to you, Jason, but it might not be as bad and it might not result in the consequences that you fear. But it does protect you from that fear of burnout because you're 
you're doing things in a way that's sustainable. And I think sustainability is the big keyword here versus, you know, blowing your load at the beginning and you're never able to ever able to keep up in the long run. No, that's, that's funny. It's an interesting approach. I mean, I don't want to intentionally do shitty work, but to your point, I think the analogy you used of, of going into any new relationship of like, yeah, here's my whatever. You know, I had a joke about this in my standup of like, you start dating someone and you're like, yeah, I graduated with Harvard with a 4.0 summa cum laude. And, you know, I rescued 55 uh, Somalian refugees last year in my overseas program. And I've actually discovered the cure for COVID, but it hasn't been released yet. What do you do? (laughs) You know, there's that thing. And so to your point, maybe I just like do what I do and like, yeah, that's it. It really comes down to me being unattached to the outcome and unattached to how people react to my work. It's easier said than done to go back to your quote from earlier. But I think to your point, this situation and this moment I'm in in life, Whitney, is a great, great teacher. And it's showing me a lot of shit that I still have lingering around in my subconscious. It shows me that I have still a lot of limiting beliefs. And it's showing me a lot of my fears that I need to face. It's like, you're not, dude, you got to face it. So it's been a good episode and I appreciate you, you know, inviting this conversation. Hopefully it helps people. Hopefully other people feel the same that are listening. I don't know. You got to let us know. If this episode resonated with you, let us know. We don't know shit until you tell us. So yeah, if this episode resonated, if you're kind of vibing on the fear of failure, worried about people's expectations, having self-fulfilling prophecies that show much how much you suck because you believe you suck like I do, which I'm working on. Let us know. We always love hearing from you. And the best way to get a hold of us, well, I don't know about the best way. There's many ways. People like to email us at hello at wellevator.com. Again, our website is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes for this episode, the transcript, any of the wonderful resources we mentioned today. You will all find that on our main hub, our website, wellevator.com. We're also posting some pretty cool stuff on Instagram, TikTok. YouTube. We've got a great growing YouTube channel where you can see the video version of this. And if you're already watching the YouTube version, thanks so much. We appreciate it. What else, Whitney? Yeah, Whitney, we've we've got this great new podcast, this private podcast. We just got a brand new, amazing patron today, which uh, I want to shout out real quick because whenever we get a new patron, we'll probably shout her out on This Hits the Spot too, because that is one of the perks of being a supporter of ours on Patreon is that, you know, you get to see this this podcast. You get to see the video. So Nadine, thank you for being Patreon. Nadine, we appreciate you. And for anyone else that is vibing with this work, your support, your financial support, your energetic support helps us keep going because it's a lot of motherfucking work putting this podcast out, no doubt. It's a labor of love. We love it. We love you. So if you can throw a few bucks our way, if you can throw a few energetic bucks or physical bucks, we appreciate it all. That's it for now. What's an energetic buck? <laughs> I don't, what would that be? An energetic buck would be like, I don't know, sending us a, a positive DM, sending us a nice greeting card. Hey, that's something. <laughs> if you want to write us a letter or a greeting card or send us chocolate, maybe you want to send us, I don't know, maybe you want to bake us some cookies. I don't fucking know. Something. That would be an energetic buck. <laughs> a batch of cookies. How about vegan chocolate covered croissants? 
There. If anybody wants to send us glue, oh, this is a challenge. If anybody, we're at the end of the episode. If anyone out there is still listening, if you want to send us gluten-free vegan chocolate croissants, fucking drop that shit in the mail. We'll we'll scarf that shit up. <laughs> Just ideas. No one's ever sent us any food, but that would be a form of an energetic buck, a token of your appreciation. We'll take it all. We'll That's take very it all. Different. When I thought of energetic buck, I thought of like a donkey kicking its legs up in the air. Oh, kind of like my dog Bella when she gets excited and she does the donkey kick to the side. Kind of like that. I think that's probably it for now, Wit, right? We're done with this episode. You got to go do stuff. I need to go have a very, I need to, I need to eat and take a nap. Uh-oh, I need to here eat. we go again. To, Don't tell, to you're about to say lunch and then you looked at the clock and you're like, well, it's technically dinner. Yeah, this is when, this is when Whitney will be like, you didn't have lunch. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, technically it's lunch. Okay. It's fucking lunch. Intermittent fasting, Jason. Sure. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> wink, wink. That's what I'm doing. Thanks for your listenership. Thanks for your readership, your viewership, your love, your energetic bucks, your physical bucks, your cookies, your croissants, all that shit. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you again soon with another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.